You are listening to Kilometer Zero by the Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. I'm in Moor de Bretagne for stage two of the Tour de France on the lower slopes of what has been dubbed the Breton Alpes d'Huez, and which has become in its own way one of the Tour's iconic climbs. It should also have been the stage for La Course by La Tour de France, the women's race that was first held in 2014. Instead, La Course was held on Saturday, a move that seemed to sum up an event that has never really established itself as a major and meaningful race on the calendar. As it is, Saturday's eighth edition of La Course, won by Demi Vollering, was probably the last. And in its place will be a new eight-day stage race launching next year, the Tour de France Femme. That will get underway on the final day of next year's Tour de France. It's a brave new dawn for women's cycling, but it's been coming for a few years. Interest in women's cycling has been growing, and interest in cycling among women has also been growing, as we know at The Cycling Podcast. Two years ago, 21% of our audience was female. Now, this year, the proportion has grown to 28%, and during the recent Giro d'Italia, it was 31%. Of course, women watch and enjoy men's cycling, and men watch and enjoy women's cycling, but nevertheless, we feel it's an interesting statistic and part of an important trend. La Course, because it's organised by ASO, or has been organised by ASO, has, for better or worse, been part of the conversation around women's cycling these past eight years. But it's been a divisive event. Here's what Lizzie Dagnan, last year's winner, said when it was put to her that this year's was probably the last. It's fair to say that a lot of the riders have a love-hate relationship with La Course. On the one hand, ASO gave them the stage. They perform at the same time and on the same roads as the Tour de France. But on the other hand, it often felt like the event was an afterthought, as illustrated by this year's move from the Mur de Bretagne. And this year it was also held early on the Saturday before the Tour de France even got underway in a remote corner of France, meaning riders and teams had to spend a long day travelling and then get up at 5am for a race that was over by 11.30. But the course, when it was introduced, did seem like an important step. And someone who was very involved in campaigning for an event, any event, was Catherine Bertin. Let's hear what Catherine has to say about the origins of La Course and her hopes for the new Tour de France fam. And after hearing from her, we'll hear what some members of the current peloton, including Marina Voss, Cecilia Utrip Ludwig, and Ashley Mulman Passio, think about the loss of La Course and the new Tour de France fam. Hi, I'm Catherine Bertin. I'm an author, an activist, and an athlete. And my recent book, Stand, a memoir on activism, a manual for progress, is about what really happens when we stand on the front lines of change. And it follows our push for equality at the Tour de France and a lot of other personal things that happened along the way. You were obviously the, the driving force, perhaps, behind you know that petition several years ago, you know, which seems seemed to really make a difference. I mean, can you tell me a bit about the origins of that, how it came about? Yeah, so the impetus to start that petition, which was in 2013, um, it really began when I first got into cycling, um, and I was old to get into cycling. I was 31 at the time, 
and I played a bunch of other sports. So when I got into cycling, it didn't make, make sense to me that the women weren't allowed at the biggest races. For many years, I just did a little bit of research and asked the question, why? Why is it like that? And there were no good answers. So I thought maybe when I become a pro cyclist, I'll have more clout and people mm. will listen to me. <laughs> well, um, nobody started listening when I just started kind of speaking out individually. But it was in 2012 when I started making the film Half the Road. I was then interviewing all the big dogs of our sport, like Mariana Vos and Emma Pooley. And I asked everybody the same question, you know, do you want to see a women's tour de France? And they all said, yes, oh my God, I want to race that, you know, before my career is done. So I knew when I had the likes of Vos and Pooley on board, that now we could form a coalition to fight for this change. In addition, being a journalist, I also had interviewed Chrissy Wellington, who you probably know. So here we have another celebrity athlete in the endurance world of triathlon, and the four of us banded together. And I said, you know, how about if we launch a petition, but obviously not just a petition, but an actual plan, a manifesto, a way to work with ASO to make this happen. And that's what we did. And that's when change really, really happened uh, because we had formed a pressure group, you know, Le Tour Entier, we called it, which was Emma's idea for a name, which means the whole tour in mm. French. That was the start of it. And we were just blown away when within just a few weeks, we had almost 100,000 signatures on on change.org and back then it was a little trickier to sign a petition it wasn't just like you can hit click and it did make a, a real impact i mean there was it, it did it did create a splash i think you know marina voss obviously was the number one female cyclist at the time yes. <laughs> arguably arguably still is i mean she's certainly one of the best but uh, i think it, it cut through because it was the writers themselves making this yes. this you know making the case <laughs> You couldn't have said it better. That is, um, I think that is the hub of all activism to succeed. Change has to come from within. I mean, we see it happening in women's soccer, at least in the U.S. That's a big thing. We saw it happen with tennis. You know, when Billie Jean King stood up, she was she was playing. She was a ranked high level athlete who was playing. And that's exactly, you know, what we need to happen. Um, the women who are currently in the sport need to use their voice to fight for change. And I'm mm. hopeful. And I, I can actually see evidence that from what we were able to do, it opened the door so more women felt comfortable and confident to use their voice. Now we're seeing, at least on social media, a lot more women are doing just that. I mean, La Course came along um, shortly afterwards. Ah. I, I, well... <laughs> Well, can you tell me about, you know, how receptive ASO were to your campaigning and, and, and how La Course then came about? The whole objective of our petition, obviously to create a Tour de France for women, but the, the first objective was to sit down and have a meeting with ASO. We knew that to have an effective petition, you know, we can't just say, oh, make a Tour de France. We had to structure it as we want to sit down and work with you and make this happen. We said we need, you know, full equity for the Tour de France. We realized that that's going to be hard to create in the next seven months or so until 
you know, uh, the 2014 Tour de France, but we need to have women's presence there. And what we suggested was start with a small stage race and build it incrementally, adding three to five days each year for the next five years. You know, they were like, oh, okay. You know, they, they liked the idea of that and they were all on board for it. And they, but they said, well, we're just going to do one day for the first year because we don't even know if people will watch. <laughs> so we said, whatever it takes to get it started is fine. One day, but then add incrementally over the years. That's fine. But let's get it started. So what happened next was basically Marianne, Emma, Chrissy and I um, did all of the work for them. Because ASO said, okay, well, we need to talk about marketing strategy and, of course, the race itself. You know, we originally pitched start at least with two days. Um, You know, you could have a a stage and a time trial, something. And that was in consideration for a while. We settled on the idea of the Champs-Élysées because of uh, the visibility factor Mm -hmm. for for fans and the TV ability to, to have good coverage of a lap course. But again, for year one, that was the plan. We did all the behind the scenes work of creating the race, the the footwork, the imprint, the the footprint of it. And did you take a sort of pragmatic view that that it was a a long game and that, you know, you would get your foot in the door and once you had your foot in the door, you could sort of force it open, you know, with apply a bit more pressure um, incrementally? Absolutely. Um, And that's where the data... And all the logistics were very much on our side. After the first running of La Course in 2014, the race was televised. I'm going to give you the rough estimate. It was about 125 countries and 58 different networks. It was 58 or 48. I have the actual stats somewhere. But, you know, networks that covered it and countries that saw La Course. And the viewership was huge. It was watched by millions so it put you know obvious factor of return of investment was spelled out for aso you Mm. know your sponsors got their visibility um and i was i was fortunate enough to be there as as an athlete i was racing and i saw firsthand the number of people who were there for the women's race you know and keep in mind the men weren't going to roll through for another three or four hours after our race yeah 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 so this crowd specifically came for the women. I mean, it took sort of uh, not even one step forward, two steps back more. It was it was slower than that. And we did see mm-hmm. an expansion and a move away from Paris and it went up to two days and then back to one. By this yep. point, what were you thinking? Were you thinking that ASO really weren't committed to it or or, or yeah. what was the what was the what was the hurdle? Our radar went up a little bit the second year when okay, directly directly after the first year immediately aso said oh my god that was amazing it was worth it what a great idea we already reserved the course for next year we're doing it again and we thought well okay but now it should be two to three days minimum you know Mm. (laughs) they didn't they didn't stick to their plan but their idea was we just want to do it again another year just like this year so we're like okay um And then it was the third or fourth year they added the second stage, which was a time trial, I believe. Right. And then I believe they moved it to the mountains. I might have that backward. But by the time it it was the fourth year and they had moved the course, this was a tactic I like to refer to as shape shifting. They wanted us to believe that they were being progressive. 
like, oh, we're going to move the, the race to the mountains. But it's not it's not progress if it's still one day. It's just moving location. They're just shape shifting. Mm. Um, there's no real progress happening here. Then it really became um, it went from hopeful to disappointing that they were failing their agreement of adding the days that they had once promised. And of course, those were verbal promises, so they didn't feel that they had any anything to lose, you know, and they were doing it their way. So a lot of people say, well, this doesn't make sense. If the finances are proving that the, you know, return of investment is happening, if the athletes are loving the event and the um, the fans are loving the events, then what's the problem? And the answer truly comes down to they're just choosing not to invest in the women at that point. And they're creating a culture of tokenism where, oh, we have one day. That's enough. And that, that's where it really became something where I do believe we should always celebrate having La Course because it means everything about our platform was that we need a women's race at the Tour de France that has the name Tour de France. Because when it was cut back in 1989... ASO kept the rights to the name Tour de France. There were people who tried to say, okay, fine, we'll just set up our own women's Tour de mm. France. And they said, no, you won't. You can't have the name. It's our name. And that's kind of what, you know, behind the scenes, what made it so difficult for the women's race to succeed was that they had to call it something else and have it at a different time and zero press interest, you know. So long story short, yeah, I think that the biggest win is that La Course by Tour de France, you know, that's its full name. Mm -hmm. And having the Tour de France attached to it is huge. So I'm hopeful that the name for women, the tour next year will be, you know, uh, Women's Tour de France or Women's Tour Feminine, whatever it is, but it has to have the same name. Well, Tour de France um, Femme is apparently the, the name they registered with the UCI. I wondered what, what do you think about this development? I mean, it's an eight-day race. I'm sure you're not popping open the champagne but but do you see this as just another step in the journey that, that, that this is almost a legacy of the success of La Course it's taken them a while Aww. to get here but but we're here now or we, yeah. we, we, or we will be there next year yes okay I do consider this a very big success that we have this eight-day race I'm thrilled however it has taken nearly eight years to bring eight days to fruition and we are still missing two more weeks of equality in terms of race days i think the most important juncture is that we say wonderful congratulations we now have a women's race but also add to that and aso when will you be adding to these eight days and is the biggest and best question that we can use in activism we, we should be thankful for the progress that's been made, but we must be visual, vigilant that the progress continues. And, and finally, Catherine, you said you want to be there for the the first running of this seizure. I guess you, you'll you'll be there feeling pretty excited, and and although there's there's a, a way to go, satisfied that, that that this this amount of progress has been made. I very much want to be there. I, I love the possibility of being brought on as a commentator. That would give me a lot of joy to be able to actually give voice to the race, especially since I know so many of these athletes. And for those whom I don't know personally, I also follow their career. So mm. that would give me 
amazing joy to be able to be on hand to to give a voice to the race. Um, and if not a voice, then they're in some physical capacity to interact with the companies, the sponsors, and the fans to let them know that they've done the right thing. And mm-hmm. let's keep let's keep pushing for more. Yeah. <laughs> You are listening to Kilometer Zero by The Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. So obviously being dealt with a life-changing diagnosis, a diagnosis of type 1 diabetes as a 10-year-old, heavily involved in sport, the first thing that came to mind was Would this be the end of any professional ambitions? But I'm Sam Brand. I'm a professional cyclist living with type 1 diabetes. So the answer is no. I was actually diagnosed on World Diabetes Day, the 14th of November 2001. Looking back now, it's just part of me. That diagnosis was something that triggered nothing negative. And that's what I want to get across is a diagnosis like this should be not seen as a negative and my diagnosis was swift it was quick and we put in plans that day to allow me to build to a professional athlete to grow healthy and I'm hoping that what we do as a professional cycling team the world's first all diabetes professional cycling team we want to affect change we want to affect positive diagnoses you know we want people to to gain trust in themselves in knowing that this diagnosis isn't the end but it can be a beginning we're changing the world you know we're on the bike every single day and we're doing it for everyone around the world affected by diabetes Alexis Ryan Canyon Stram I'm really, really excited and think it's going to be one of the most important races on the calendar for the women's peloton because of the name and the prestige. And La Course has been popular for years, but now that we have an actual stage race, it's, it's going to be a big target for a lot of riders. You're going to get the most support from all riders in the peloton if everyone has an opportunity to possibly do well. If it's purely a mountainous stage race there's only a handful of people that can actually be competitive yeah so i think to make it more exciting there needs to be a, a good mixture of parkours lizzie dignan trek segafredo yeah we're we're all very excited about having a tour de france even if it's just a week long i think it's a good important next step it's a sustainable step probably um and i think hopefully it'll lead on to a full three-week tour ashley moulman pasio sd works I think um, the fact that it's it's going to be called the Tour de France Femme already gives it a lot of significance. And um, I think just the history of the race and um, the caliber of the race means that even, you know, within the women's peloton, we will just, you know, give it that status almost immediately. So I think, you know, it's going to be, I think, very well received. And of course, the women's peloton is going to take it, it very seriously. But I do think that there is an aspect to the race which needs time to evolve, you know, so in terms of, yeah, I mean, we'll wait to see with with the proper announcement. I I, I don't know for sure, you know, what what the route is going to look like and stuff like that. But I have heard some things um, by certain sources which are quite reliable um, that, for example, it it might not include really big um, alpine climbs, you know, in the first edition. So it might be more of a punchy race from, from what I've I've heard. So I think that that could definitely evolve over, over the years, and I hope it does, um, because I think that 
for um, the Tour de France Femme uh, to continue to hold that kind of prestige, you know, as it has in men's cycling, transferred into women's cycling, I think it does need to evolve and include big climbs, you know, and, and be as epic as it is um, for the men. So, yeah, I mean, ideal world, I think, you know, the first part of the race being um, punchy, plus some sprint stages, plus even possibly a time trial um, could be really nice. And then um, uh, some kind of a queen stage up up a mountain uh, would be really nice to, to sort of end things off for at least the second last day. I think that would be the perfect um, Tour de France femme. Demi Vollering, SD Works. Yeah, yellow jersey would be nice. <laughs> yeah, a lot of mountain stages would be nice. Team time trials also really go- cool to do. It would be cool if it's a mix from everything. Leanne Lippert, Team DSM. Yeah, I mean, La Course is always a great race, but I'm also super excited for the Tour de France for a woman. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to do some epic climbs and like some famous roads. And yeah, it's just really cool. And yeah, of course, a time trail and the team time trail uh, needs to be in some long climbs and also some punchy finish. Yeah, maybe also for the yeah GC riders, definitely. And for sure, some girls need to prepare for that. It's a long stage race and yeah, it's going to be interesting. Marina Voss, Team Jumbo Visma. Well, of course, La Course was a great step up, but uh, having having the thought of uh, extended La Course and going into the Tour de France, Tour de Femina, I think that's uh, it's a big step forward. So, uh, yeah, actually looking forward and excited for uh, for the next edition. It's bigger than the sport, bigger than cycling, and being part of that, uh, I think the the bunch is is ready, and of course. It has to get balanced in, into the calendar, and next year, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an, an interesting combination with Giro and then uh, Tour de France. But yeah, for sure, I expect uh, a really high-quality field next year and uh, lining up in France. Cecilie Utrecht Ludwig, FDG. The Tour de France Femme is coming. I mean, it's going to be huge. No, really, like. Everyone, even though if you don't know cycling, you know what the Tour de France is, you know what the yellow jersey is, everyone. Like even, I want to say my grandma. <laughs> like they know what the Tour de France is, so it's going to be huge. And like having it on TV and having it like a proper stage race, I mean, it's going to be big next year. And on a French team, it doesn't get much bigger than that. Well, that's what some of the top female riders think about the Tour de France fam and what they hope for from the inaugural edition next year. On the eve of this year's Tour de France, Francois Tomaso spoke to Christian Prudhomme, the tour director, about ASO's motivations for starting this event now and what we can expect from that first edition in 2022. Non mais si, si, si on parle et c'est notre notre ambition et c'est ce qu'on fait aux gens au bout du monde si on parle aux australiens si on parle aux japonais si on parle aux colombiens To recreate a women's tour it was absolutely necessary to find a financial balance Former Tour de France director Felix Levitin was visionary when he created a Tour Féminin which ran from 1984 to 1989, but it stopped because it was losing too much money. Later, others tried to launch the Grand Boucle Féminin with the best ambassador there was for women's cycling at the time, Jenny Longo, but it also stopped after a number of years. Then the brave Hervé Gérardin started the Route de France Féminin, which also collapsed eventually. The important thing is to have a solid financial base. 
this race that we're creating, we want it to still be here in a hundred years. Three different organizers failed in the past, but we can do it because we have the guarantee that the race will be broadcast by France Television and the UER, but also because next to our traditional partners, we have new partners like Zwift, which will allow us to have a lasting event. When we created La Course, the women champions asked us to, above all, bring them some media time. To go one step further, we need a craving, an ambition to help us, but also to boost us, which is what Zwift is doing. Don't you think the riders might have uh, liked a uh, longer format? Dans la médiatisation, les week-ends sont essentiels. C'est pas l'ancien journaliste de télé qui dira le contraire. Eight days might not be the ideal format, but when you're talking of media exposure, the TV professional I once was can tell you that weekends matter. We want this race to settle in, and that's why it's important to hold the start on a Sunday in the wake of the Tour de France, so that the channels broadcasting the tour can go on with the show with female champions, great landscapes and the climbs which make up the beauty of the race. We would have liked to do it in 2021, but the fact we couldn't led us to create Paris-Roubaix Femina, which will take place at last on October the 2nd, on the eve of the men's race. I must add that we're not starting women's cycling. We've organised the Flesh Wallone for 20 years, the Tour of Yorkshire, which is a huge popular success, the Madrid Challenge alongside the Vuelta, which is also an ASO race, and we even held a women's tour of Qatar, which was amazing and a real political gesture. Well, the Tour de France fam will launch next year in 2022 and I'm sure that we at the Cycling Podcast will be on the ground covering it with nightly episodes. You've been listening to the latest episode of Kilometre Zero supported by Super Sapiens. It was produced by Will Jones. Will Jones.